from Braided Media. This is 54 Lights. A program note before we get started. At the end of each show, I begin my closing by saying, the conversation continues. The reason I do that is because each one of these conversations is really a snapshot in time. It is a momentary reflection of a bigger, broader conversation. What's important to note is that this conversation, the one that precedes this, the one that proceeds this rather, is one that I did a few months ago. While Malawi as a country was going through the end of its first wave. Since this has aired, Malawi has been gripped in the fight against COVID and is definitely experiencing the height of the second wave. And that second wave is quite brutal. Therefore, it's really important to note that some of the viewpoints and the conversation today was really at that moment in time, when COVID, however damaging, was not taking as many lives as it is now. Keep that in mind as you hopefully enjoy and learn from this great conversation. Whenever I'm doing my things, I always think, think global. Yeah, start local, but think mm-hmm. global because I believe impact is, it should be all over. It just takes one person to start, but you know, the momentum can affect different countries and different cultures and different races. Because like you said, the stigma is worldwide, regardless of yeah. whether you're in China, whether you're in Canada, whether you're in, you know, Australia, whether you're in, in you know, Nigeria or Malawi, the stigma is always there. When you have big ideas, you'll do big things. When you have small ideas, you'll just accomplish those small things. So that's basically my outlook in life. I think like I was saying that all of the events that happen in life kind of culminate you to do something bigger. So um, the reason why I decided to do this as well is one, like I was saying, um, I'm just generally an optimistic person. Like for me, the glass is always half full. Like you cannot convince me otherwise. Like <laughs> if it's half empty, go and get some water and pour it in, you know, whatever. Water, your drink of choice, whatever it is, you're going to pour and pour it in. But um, so for me, um, I just believe that you have to impact people and you can either impact people positively or you impact people negatively. You can either leave a mark of good or a mark of bad. So I think I chose quite early on that look. Um, I think this is my gift, being around people, communicating. So I want to use this gift for good. Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. As we drive deeper into our third season, we're continuing on this journey to celebrate creators from the continent. Our ultimate goal is to showcase alternative narratives of the African experience, and we're going to do this by putting the spotlight on people 
real people who are shaping our collective culture. Now, in the previous weeks and even the previous months, we've explored a lot of different topics on this show, a lot of themes. And throughout these conversations, albeit the the more recent ones, there's been one dominant theme that's come up again and again and again. COVID. That's a storyline that's played a significant role in the lives of all of us across the globe. And while this show is certainly not about COVID, the fact that we're talking to people in the creative field a lot, the fact that we understand intimately that these people are acutely and adversely affected by the pandemic, this fact has left us dealing with a more intimate knowledge and understanding of the impacts of this plague. And of course, its effects on mental health. Given where we are today, given that broader context I just spoke of, today's discussion will be not only interesting, but certainly natural. We're going to talk to Chawan Pandey, a marketing professional who's devoted her time and energy to create a better future for her country women and for her countrymen. She's dedicated her time to invention, not of a technological or of a physical good, but of a movement whose impact is nothing short of profound. Years ago, she took a leap, or she was taken on the leap, actually. From the cool Canadian north to the warm south of Malawi. Chawa's path brought her to the front lines of mental health, having experienced it in her family, in a space where mental wellness is a topic that's neither common nor comfortable. But rather than shrink from the subject fraught with stigma, she's taken it on, head on. Her brave fight has led her to speak out against the negativity around mental health and to use her skills as a marketer, a communicator, and a builder to create change, to instigate progress and to bring light to dimly lit corners. As you listen to her, I implore you to remember that the challenges she's facing, the ones she's shaking, are not exclusively Malawian, nor are they exclusively African. They exist well beyond the continent's borders. So what follows is a real, relatable revelation. My name is Kandwani Mwase, and today's episode is a well of gifts. Thank you for having me, Ko. My full name is Chawanangwa Mpande, um, and it means Chawanangwa means gift. So it actually, in the context that my parents named me, it's actually a gift from God. My sister's name is Sipiwe, and she's from Zimbabwe. Well, we're we're from Malawi, but that's a Zimbabwean name. And it also means gift. Um, 
I'm curious if yours is in any way related to the time of year you were born or is it just like, hey, this is a gift from God. This is a blessing. Yeah, I think it was just more because I'm the firstborn. So my parents were really excited when I was born. I mean, all parents are excited for all kids. That's <laughs> <Not> right. <me. laughs> yeah. They were very excited when my siblings were born as well, in case yeah. my siblings are listening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was I was the firstborn. So it was like my mom and my, my dad, I grew up in a very Christian home, a very spiritual home. So yes, it was just like thanking God that we, we have our gift. Yeah, I can tell you're an older sister, um, <laughs> but but it, to, to all those to all those siblings out there, at the end of the day, the firstborn is definitely a big thing. So gift it <laughs> it works. My sister that I was just talking about, she was she is also the firstborn. So um, oh, I think it's it work it works well, and that does that's no shade to the second and thirds and fourths. You know? Absolutely, we, we, we still I mean, rock everyone, it. We still rock it. <laughs> you guys rock it. You guys rock it. And let me just add, I was a firstborn and an only child for a long time. So anyway, I was gonna say there's more to that story. Definitely more to that story. So you're in Malawi now, but it has not always been home for you. Is that correct? Yes. Um, well, no, it hasn't always been home for me. Um, I, I was born here, but I left when I was very young. Um, mm-hmm. My parents were academics, as a lot of African parents are. And um, the chance happened for us to all move to Canada because there was a time when I was very, very young as well, but like two or three where my parents had both gone. My dad was in Ottawa and uh, my mom was in Northern Ireland. So the family was split and I was here in Malawi. So when the chance came for my dad, he was an accountant. So when the chance came for him to do his school again, my mom was basically like, we all have to go or no one's going. So that's how the whole family ended up now in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada as well. After you're yeah. in Edmonton, then did you do you move directly back to Malawi? Yes. So uh, we moved back to Malawi in early 2000s. My dad actually passed away in 98. Mm. And I think after he passed away, yeah, after, thank you. Um, but after he passed away, my mom, I think, was missing home. And yeah, that's when she decided to move back home. But initially, I wasn't coming back home for good. I thought I was coming for a three-month holiday <laughs> so that's another story <laughs> oh the lies man there's a lot oh, of the lies. Lies. <laughs> lies this is this is actually an intervention we'll play for your mother yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and have you you've been in malawi since is that yes yeah, so i i've been i've been here since initially Perfect. i i hated it when i first came back i was struggling living here i just felt like an oddity just i just felt out of place um, so it took me a very long time before I actually accepted being here. I was in denial for a very, very long time, like years. <laughs> yeah, I and imagine. I actually did want to come back to Canada for some time. But then it's funny, in the last um, maybe three, five years, my perspectives really just started changing. And I just saw just how much potential there is in Africa and just seeing this new breed of, you know, young Pan-Africanists that are rising. And I really like started looking at our continent in Malawi, especially in a different light. And I was like, actually, you know what? I don't want to move back anymore. Right. <laughs> let me let me try to see what I can do here. Yeah. 
Oh, that's that's remarkable, and that's that's actually in line a lot with what we're talking about this season about this idea of Pan Africanism and people just yeah. being, you know, kind of the diaspora and their connections to to, to home. Um, so you you have a really really unique perspective on it. Um, yeah. Ask you, you know, I'm assuming now your answer would be that if I were to ask you the answer to where is home. You, yeah. Canada would be definitely a second place. Is that a, is that true? Sorry. So can you just repeat that? I was going to say, if I were to ask you where's home. So now I would yeah. assume that Canada is a second place. Yeah. To, yeah. To now, now, I mean, yeah. Now Canada second, but it's still home. It's like, I feel like, you know, an adopted child, mm-hmm. you know, one that had a biological parent, Malawi to me, who, you know, they're adopted by a very loving, you know, parent, Canada, and then they re- reconnect with the biological parent later on. You never stop, like, loving the country or the parent that raised you as well. So that's how I look at it. Like, I'm, what I'm here, I don't, I don't fit in. And if somebody hears my accent, for instance, they, they won't say, oh, you're Malawian, or how my mannerisms or how I behave. They're not typically um, Malawian, per se. But, you know, if I go to Canada now as well, I won't be typically Canadian either. <laughs> I, I, I've built my own little world um, here in Malawi that I love. Yeah. And, but I would definitely love to go to Canada as well just to visit or even for the kids to live there for a while. I think that would be good for them to have a different perspective because I feel my perspective growing up in Canada, the opportunities that I was given have definitely helped me. Um, as an as as who I am now, it's definitely shaped my my um, outlooks. A lot of my outlooks and a lot of my out mindsets came from how I was raised in Canada. I'm grateful that I was raised in Canada. Actually, you know that's such a profound perspective on, I think, what many people live through in terms of being part of the diaspora. Right, like they're never quite yeah. at home where they live if it's outside mm-hmm. of their 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 native country. Um, And then when they go back home, it's like they're obviously an outsider in some ways. So Mm -hmm. do you find that you have like, is there a community that you feel in Malawi that that um, that is living your similar existence? Because, oh, yeah, a lot of people have gone back. Yeah, there's yeah, there's quite a few people who they're what do they call them? Third, third, third world kids or something not third world kids but there's a there's a term that they use for for children who have been raised in different cultures and then they resettle back home and you know vice versa so there's a lot like you were mentioning there's a lot of people um who who have come back you know from the diaspora or their parents were in the embassies they come back and they they struggle to fit in as well so yeah i do have quite a few friends um the goodness with me being raised in, in Edmonton, it was a very, very multicultural society. So even here in Malawi, I have different friends, different cultures, different countries. So that kind of still maintains, even though I'm here in, in Africa and in Malawi. I've, I'm able to interact and have friends of all different races, cultures, you know, socioeconomic classes. So I think that's a great um that's a great like legacy from my being raised in Edmonton because my wow. parents were students. Mm-hmm. So we lived the first couple of years um, when they were students, we lived in the international um, student compound. So literally there were, there were people from all over the world. <laughs> yeah. That's really, so you got introduced to that, that uh, multiculturalism early. really early. Yeah. 
very early yeah yeah so it's a big part of my life up to now and even my kids i try to to expose them to different things and even in malawi like different cultures different foods i just want them to to be well-rounded i think it helps as you grow yeah for sure it's really 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 important and um you know kind of speaking of growth um i'm curious what you do professionally and um yeah what do you do professionally Okay, so professionally, I'm a marketer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm a brand marketing officer for one of the local ISPs, internet service providers. And so that's my nine to five. That's my professional job. Um, before we get, we get to the, the post nine to five, what's appealing about marketing for you? Okay, so my marketing journey wasn't just a straightforward one. Mm-hmm. Um, I did business administration. So initially, I was um, the PA to the MD of this company. And um, yeah, I was in that position for a while. But it's funny, when I was younger, I actually used to make jingles, like like song jingles in my <laughs> head. I remember like, I loved the Coca-Cola like commercials, the Wrigley's commercials, like all of the, the commercials, which had like, you know, really ringing and you know like jingles that would stick to your head I used to love to make my own little jingles so I remember writing when I was like 12 or something that I want to be I want to have business administration you want to do business administration with a major in marketing but for a while it seems like my my journey like kind of had gone off trail <laughs> the marketing side wasn't really there right. but um yeah but the, it's just funny how you know I believe God just puts you back to where you're supposed to be even though it's not always a straight journey. Um, so uh, after six years or so, they actually created a position in the company um, that had never been like, we had a marketing director, but we didn't have like a full-time marketer. And then, then that's how I got into the role. And I, I just love it. I love marketing. I think it's one of those things, um, if you love it, you love it. And I think I have the personality for marketing because I think... <laughs> can't be shy as a marketer <laughs> i was gonna say you yeah. can't be a wallflower at all and it doesn't you can't, yeah. you can't yeah you can't really be an introvert and be like mm-hmm. i mean you can be but it's it's just i feel like with a marketer you're, you're interacting with people you're interacting with brands so you need to be mm-hmm. out there you know you need to be able to push yourself you need to push your products you can't be quiet about what you're trying to market you know right right so that's and how that's how i got into this role and that's been since 2017 i've been in my current role, which is a brand marketing officer. So I look, oversee the whole brands, basically, when it comes strategy, anything marketing related. Um, yeah, that's that's what I oversee, budgets, all that wonderful stuff. Oh, that's, that's uh, in, in my world, that's that's amazing. That's super fun because I'm in marketing as well. So look, when I hear that, awesome. I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> um, there might be yeah. a couple of people listening who might be like, oh, that's that's so boring. But anyways, so um, boring. it's not for you guys. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but as as you were speaking there, I thought about when you said, you know, you have to push, you, you know, you have to push forward, you have to you have to be out there and do your um, you know, advocate for your brand. Um, mm. There is another part of what you are doing, which I'm really interested in in speaking to you about. Not that I'm not interested in marketing, but we that's for yeah. another, that's for another conversation. <laughs> um, what do you do after nine to five, and what are you pushing for in Malawi? Oh, awesome! So after nine to five, I have several things which I am passionate about. Um, I really believe that in life, whatever 
whatever circumstances or trials or tough experiences, I believe that they're, they're there for a reason. And so I don't believe it just, you know, just happens randomly. Yes, you can have random events, but I feel like there's always a purpose for what you're going towards or what's going to happen in your life. So basically, I'm passionate about mental health. I'm a mental health advocate. And that passion and um, will to want to speak more about the issue really came in through my own personal experiences um, with family members and how that experience affected me. So basically, um, I had two loved ones who went through some mental health issues and I really didn't have a, a place of support and I was really frustrated like no one especially in our community no one really understood um, bipolar for instance nobody really wanted to talk about it there's a lot of superstitions so I told myself you know what I never want anyone else to feel this isolated and this alone and that's just how I started um my initiative, which is AFERS, which stands for Addicts, Families, Educational, and Recovery Support. So I am a mental health advocate, and part of that advocacy is we have um, awareness events where we speak about mental health, but where we, we um, link up with professionals, mental health professionals within Malawi, and we just speak to the community, because what we're trying to do is create awareness, because this issue is still not as well known as would like it to be. So we're just bringing awareness and talking about it. And through this conversations, I think a lot of people are now starting to understand um, mental health, at least people within town. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you that. It, it, it's, it's an interesting thing um, in, in different parts of the world when you start mm. to talk about issues of mental health. And there is, a, there, there is, I think, a stigma that is associated with mental health that is pervasive, mm. like it's global. Um, but in Malawi, how have you, how has your message and, and AFER's message been received? I would say it's been received quite well. I think um, I always get people who, even though I'm not a mental health professional myself, um, you know, I do a little bit of just counseling people because that's just a natural calling. People have problems, they come to me, a bit of life coaching sort of thing. And um, yeah, people will always come in and say, look, thank you very much. The feedback we always get after an event is always great. Um, we actually want to grow it so that we can reach more people by mm -hmm. turning it into an NGO. Mm -hmm. So that would also help us go into schools and the youth, the grassroots level, because like I was saying, yeah, it's fine for us in the city. Yeah, it's fine for those who have access, you know, the internet or, you know, the facilities within town. But I've been really searching, you know, the last few months, like how can we actually bring this message to the rural areas where people don't know about it? And there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of like um, traditional beliefs. People won't believe that it's mental health. They'll be like, oh, it's witchcraft. I mean, we're going through a lot of things and maybe someone from the west may not understand these things but these are like real beliefs that people still are you know exhibiting and still believe in even now so there's it has to be fought in so many different um fronts so it's like awareness and the civic education and just really trying to um give them the message in a way that they can also understand it it's interesting when you said in different parts of the world. So like, you know how there are obviously communities in the West, which might not 
um, fully understand the, 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 the sort of this idea of witchcraft and the juju and mm. sometimes things like that. Um, mm. But ultimately... I never got it, to be honest, until I came back home. I didn't yeah. even know. Like, yeah, I had no idea because I was never raised, even though I'm Malayan and I was raised with a Malayan home, that was never something that was in our house. It was never yeah. something talked about, you know? So For I sure. found it very strange when I came back home and like even educated people and, mm-hmm. you know, you believe in you know, it still. Yeah. Believe in it. It's not something that, Oh, it's just the villager, but a lot, a lot of people still hold on to these beliefs. And initially I'll just, you know, knock it off and be like, no, 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 no. But I also had to learn to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. What, what was their environment that made them, you know, believe these things because you can't just knock them off and say it's wrong. It's wrong. I believe you also have to try to understand um, their perspective, because once you understand where they're coming from, it helps you as well um, understand them. Right, because there there is a history behind it. There is a legacy behind it that needs to be unpacked, exactly. understood, and then addressed directly. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And 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 for for people in the in the Western world, I would say as well. Ultimately, even these things such as witchcraft and and juju mm. and whatever may not be. Mm. Um, trans translatable in in a very uh, transparent way. Ultimately, yeah. there's a stigma associated yeah. with mental health, and that is a yeah. stigma that is global, and um, yeah. and it's really important to talk about it. So whether that stigma is rooted in in quote unquote witchcraft or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it still mm-hmm. puts people in a in a handicap position. So absolutely, uh, still the, absolutely. The, the root of the problem is still the same. Or the outcome. Still the same. Still the same. And it stops people. It stops people from actually seeking help because mm-hmm. of the stigma. Mm-hmm. The stigma and the shame makes a lot of people suffer in silence because I think we have this notion when you say mental health, it's like a like I don't know. We just think it's like some person walking down the road and it's like a like a psychosis break, which it can be at times, but that's not for most people, you know, for the majority of people, it's depression, it's anxiety. I mean, these are mental health issues that are facing everyone. I face those things myself, you know, and especially with the pandemic, these are issues which are really on the rise. And a lot of people, like, trust me, I'm sure nine out of 10 people this year have experienced anxiety in some shape, way or form, you know? Just yeah. Because of yeah. 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 Well, that's what so, actually was, you 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 segued perfectly into my next question, which was mm-hmm. um, about COVID and how I mm-hmm. like I know it's amplified, it's sort of amplified anxieties for a whole lot mm-hmm. of people around the world. Has. How has that mm-hmm. impacted mental wellness in Malawi? No, I think um, obviously we've been a bit luckier than some parts of the West with the lockdowns. Um, Mm -hmm. We never really had a lockdown per se, but the fact that people are dying, you know, the fact that um, deaths were occurring in ways that we hadn't heard of before due to COVID, the fact that life had changed, uh, airplanes weren't, you know, coming in or out for some time. Yeah, everybody became very anxious. Um, I worked from home for seven months this, like last year, you know, and um, it's one of those things that we, we are always anxious of the unknown and COVID has been the biggest unknown you know, like of 2020, because we yeah. didn't know what it is. We didn't know how long it's going to last. We didn't know if it's going to be a vaccine. So I think a lot of people have been affected by the COVID 
um, effects. It's basically calling them COVID effects. Perhaps mm-hmm. in some of the rural areas where they're a bit more isolated, they may not be as much, but definitely in the urban areas, the cities um, in Malawi, everyone is, has been affected in, like emotionally or mentally at, at some level, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is, it's pervasive, right? And it's, it has yeah. affected all walks of life. Yeah. Um, in your journey to, to build AFERS and to sort of to, to, to walk towards this, this NGO, what are some of the things that you, um, what are the things that you find most fulfilling? And then I'm going to ask you, what are you, the things you find most challenging? Okay, so fulfilling for me definitely is just creating awareness. Um, being able to talk about an issue which really wasn't being talked about and being one of the first, you know, to be speaking about these things quite openly, that's fulfilling. You know, that's why I said, like, once I realized uh, my purpose and some of the things that I had to do, that's why now I'm seeing opportunity where before I was just not seeing any opportunity. You know, my eyes have changed. My vision has changed. How I look at Malawi has changed. And a lot of it is just because now I see opportunity uh, where I wasn't seeing it before. So that's, for me, that's one of the things that really fulfills me. Um, just being able to touch people in a positive way. Um, not that they have to be changed per se, but just, you know, somebody coming to you and say, look, I didn't know about suicide and now I know and I know how to talk to my friend or I was feeling suicidal and thank you for speaking about those things. And also liaising with other passionate um, people on the mental health front has, has been awesome because I have some mm-hmm. friends who are doing amazing things on the ground. And to me, not being a mental health professional doesn't mean you can't make a, an impact on the mental health front. You know what I mean? Because we don't, we don't say we're going to solve your problem. We refer, you know, whoever comes to us to professionals, but I think there's a notion for people Um, People think that, oh, I'm not this, I'm not that, so I can't do this. And I disagree with that notion. I feel like you have to start where you are with what you have. And if you have something that's placed inside of you and it's just not going away, there's a reason why um, that's not going away. So back to (laughs) the the downside. The downside, Mm. again, Mm -hmm. is the lack of awareness. Um, (laughs) That's two two sides of the same coin, huh? Two sides of the same coin, for sure, because you're pushing an agenda which is so misunderstood. And this is not just uh, educated people who, or non-educated people who don't understand. Um, I think my biggest frustration is with educated people sometimes <laughs> who don't get it. You know, you're like, what? Yeah. You have a PhD. You yeah, you should know. You should you know. know. What I mean? yeah. You should. But then I realized it all goes back to environment and upbringing. And there's a lot in our environment, which actually, in my opinion, I feel there's a lot of trauma-induced events that happen uh, in our environment that we don't even realize that it's trauma-inducing from young ages. Um, part of it is cultural. So as you grow up and you realize, oh, wow, that was a huge trauma incident. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a correlation between trauma and mental health and trauma and addiction because AFERS, we're not just dealing with mental health only. We're also doing addiction awareness, which is another issue, which is a huge issue yeah, it's a in our one, societies. Yeah. But like people don't want to talk about it. Like there's yeah. so much shame and stigma with that as well. So that's always my biggest um, frustration. Like sometimes you're like, oh, you should know better. But I've also <laughs> had to learn that no, you can't. You can't push people 
to understand something that they're not ready yet to receive, you know, yeah. so I had to kind of learn patience. Yeah. It's, it's taught me a lot about myself as well, that, okay, yeah, I can have a great idea, but there's a time and there's a place and there's a process. So it's, 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 it's a learning curve for me. Huge one. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, as, as you've gone through that journey, at least you can maybe shepherd other people through it. Um, mm. I want to ask you, what what should people who are interested in 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 this space and interested in understanding it maybe they have somebody a loved one um yeah. w- within their family or circle of friends who they they maybe say that person is struggling or maybe they're struggling yeah. themselves how yeah. what, what should be the first thing that they they start to do to wrap their heads around what's happening well it's important to not isolate yourself isolation mm-hmm. is the worst thing to do you need to reach out. You need to reach out either to a trusted friend, advisor, um, religious figure, um, family member. If you can't find a person, uh, even online, there's some free online support. Even if you just Google free online mental health support, there's usually things that pop up. So you have to reach out. You have to accept that I, I have a problem or I have something that I'm struggling with. Um, acceptance is key, both for mental health, both for addiction. addiction yeah. It's for anything in life, really. You have <laughs> to accept. But look, I, I, look, I'm struggling with this. You know what yeah. I mean? Because without that, you can't get the necessary help that you need. So depending on the severity of your issues, then um, if you feel like I need some, someone to now, you know, see me professionally whether you go to a doctor psychologist psychotherapist or you know cognitive behavioralist whatever it is you have to then reach out to a professional um you just you don't want it to escalate because the problem with depression it can start off you know minor depression and it can escalate if not dealt with but also um if it's something that doesn't need medication or a doctor just sometimes people were focusing so much on the negative you forget to um, look at the positives and we forget to be grateful for what we have. I really feel gratitude is such an amazing thing. When you're living in gratitude, mindfulness, all these concepts, um, there's just something that happens to your brain and just something that happens to yourself. It's easy to look at what you don't have or what's not going right. But then just take 10 minutes every day to just, Think of the things that are going okay. I mean, just even the gift of life, whether it's family, even though we can be dysfunctional, whether it's a friend. (laughs) Just looking at the things that we have also helps change our mindset because when we're down and we're going through, you know, a negative experience, it's very difficult to look outside of that and to feel anything other than that negativity. So I always encourage people to, okay, focus on something positive or go for a hike, go for a run, do some exercise, listen to music, find something that gives you joy. It doesn't even have to be expensive, just something that gives you joy naturally and let those natural endorphins kind of released in your body. That helps. But then obviously this is not for everyone. There are times you do need, you know, the medical intervention. So you for need sure. to go to uh, or to go to a to professional, whether you'll be given medication, that's now the medical professional can assess and see what they need to do. Yeah, that's really, really good advice because I think and 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 one that is is truly universal that um mm. I and I I've 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 recently had to embrace that outlook where 
before going to a dark place, just find a place of mm-hmm. gratitude, find a place yeah. of enjoyment, find a place of release. And um, yeah. it doesn't solve all the issues, but it certainly helps. So I love that you brought that up. I wanted to ask you, you did mention hiking, um, just as a couple last questions here. Uh, you did mention hiking. What do you do to unwind? Uh, you got a couple of kids at home. You got a, a, a loving husband. Um, yeah. You know, but I got three kids. So trust yeah. me, sometimes, sometimes home is a trigger. Let me not lie. Like, honestly, I tell my hubby, I'm like, I can't, I can't with y'all. I'm going <laughs> like yeah. literally in September. Um, me and one of my girlfriends, we went to the lake. We have a beautiful lake here. And we just went for like two or three days to the lake. Just girls only, oh. no kids, no hubbies. So that was, I love nature. So reconnecting with nature, like the lake or, I mean, there's just different places you can go to where whether it's greenery I mean if it's snow wherever you are in the world whether it's the the desert I don't know but like (laughs) I I I like to connect in nature um I also have a self-care routine where when the kids are all in bed when hubby's all in bed I I like to have a a long very hot bubble bath Uh, I'll have my music on whether it's jazz that day or like some lo-fi hip-hop depending on my mood or like Mm -hmm. house music I find that it's very, very relaxing for me. And then I also do yoga. Um, I like to do yoga at night before I go to bed because I find that there's certain yoga stretches that I do that will help me sleep well. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I sleep. I'm literally, I'm a very, like, ambitious girl in a lazy girl's body. (laughs) (laughs) If I could, I would sleep all day, every day. Like, people are like, Chala, how do you do so many things? I'm like, I have no idea because I like to sleep. (laughs) Okay. That's funny. (laughs) I love that. You're an ambitious girl in a lazy girl's body. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's a struggle there. Sometimes I'm like, okay, you need to do A, B, C, D. And then the body's like, no, you need to sleep. (laughs) I have to tell my body, nope, but let me go and do my thing. I will sleep later. So yeah, like honestly, even if you ask Cubby, he'll tell you, yeah, my wife can sleep. (laughs) Oh, that is, that is priceless. Absolutely priceless. Um, (laughs) And I love traveling when I have the chance, but obviously with COVID this year. Yeah, it's been restricted. Yeah. It's been restricted. Yeah. But that's one of the main, my main things that I like to do to just. To to unwind. I time alone. Yeah. Even though I'm an extrovert. I'm not one of those people that can be around people all the time and I get my energy off of people per se. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a time when I just need to withdraw. I think it's called an ambivert, like kind of it's both sides. There are times when I have moments like outgoing, outgoing, but then there are times I just need to be alone and I, I need those times to just unwind. And just yeah. Reflect. Yeah. yeah. When sure. I don't get I- that, I'm not a happy girl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. So don't give you any time, any time alone, probably end up in a bad spot. And, and yeah, obviously if, I don't, I if, if we don't give you enough time to sleep, then, then we've got yeah. problems too. So. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not a difficult girl though. Hey, I'm sorry, there's a list now starting. What's going on? Okay. I know, right? I know. I know. Hey, okay. Maybe I need to reflect. Self-reflection session while loading. I was going to say, there we go. Now the, now the session is mine. Oh, that's right? so funny. Um, yeah. Chawa, I'm so grateful for you to come on the show and really to, uh, talk to audiences around the world really about about mental health and I love what you're doing what's next for you um, and AFERS and and how can people get involved if they want to support you if they want to come and see uh, a session or whatnot what what's um what's the way to connect 
Oh, awesome. So AFERS is actually on Facebook and Instagram. But like I was saying that we're now transitioning into an NGO. So there's going to be more advocacy in terms of education and schools. That's really where my heart is. Um, even like mental health advocacy for, for businesses and organizations. That's something that a lot of organizations are now starting to see the importance. Here in Malawi, the suicide rates have been going up exponentially you know mm. year on year and this is a worldwide trend and most people that actually kill themselves are men you know most people that have mental health issues such as anxiety and depression are women but the suicide rates are exponentially high for men so just creating more awareness yeah creating more awareness i'd love to have literature so somebody that um Somebody could read it in Chichao, one of our local languages, or Tunduka, or Sena, or Yao. That's really my goal, to just um, bring the mental health talk and mental health awareness to all regions across the land. And just, sorry, just a quick, quick one on the logo. The logo is basically two hands interlocking. Oh, and yes, I right, wanted, right. Yeah, so I wanted the AFERS logo. So basically, when I came up with the, the idea, the concept, I wanted to show... Um, someone helping someone up, mm -hmm. so uplifting. So it's like the whole community because AFERS is a community thing. It's not just a one person thing. You need a community to help you with whatever issues you're going you're going through. Um, so that that's how the logo came up. It's For helping sure. hands, basically. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And you, people have to check it out because it's two. It's a green and a black hand kind of um, yes. you know, pulling. Yes. Pulling. So yes. it, it does definitely show like there's two different people, if you will, helping each other up. Yes. You know what's yes. interesting about yeah. that? And I'm, I've got to let you go. I know. But uh, I just want to say one second. I, and I forgot about the logo. Even yeah. I asked about it. Um, what I, when I look at it, like almost like just quickly on a screen, it does uh, feel to me like it, it's also in the shape of like a flame. And yes, yes. I don't know why I took from it. Was it sort of like igniting the, the like a oh, good I love flame? That. You know what I mean? So like because yeah, it just kind of yeah, looks no, like I, a I little. I can see that as well. Yeah, um, it does. Actually, now that you say it, it looks like there's. It does from that angle. It's a little angle. Well, yeah. 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 It so does. I love that. So we're we're igniting the spark. You know, exactly. I, I think it. that's that's why yeah. like, that's why I was like I gotta ask her about that. But that that's what I saw really really quickly and. Oh, that um, is listen, so interesting. Unintended or not, um, I, no. I think that that's what you're doing. I really think that. That's I love what you're that. Doing. Maybe yeah. we should change our our <laughs> motto to igniting the spark in our communities. Yeah, <laughs> there you look at you on the fly, on the fly. This is yeah. Like, I, I will look at you. Look, marketer mind. <laughs> I was going to say this is now we're transitioning for the audience. Now we're, we're in the marketing. Yeah. Now we're going to branding and marketing. So this is your master class. <laughs> and your teachers are Co and Chawa. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe. No, yeah. And sometimes my friends are like, oh, you're so annoying. But like literally that's me. <laughs> that's that's how I am. It's not an act. I'm like, this is me, guys. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Not that I don't have low moments. I have low moments like everyone else. Yeah. yeah. I get sad. I cry. I get depressed. But like, I'm like, how does that help me if I stay in that state? Like, and especially when you see that um, whatever gift you've been given or anything that you've been given is not just for you. It's very difficult to contain it because you want to share it with others. Because if you know that I'm, I'm doing, even like your podcast, for instance, 
it's not just for you. It's you're That's sharing, right. you're sharing, sharing it with everybody, ideas, yeah. everyone else. So you can't keep them to yourself. And even if you're scared or you don't feel like, like oh, I don't want to record today, you still have to do it because there's somebody out there literally waiting for your message or to hear whatever the speaker is going to say. So I think when you look at things from a different perspective, that's why I'm so big on mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you realize just how important your role is in this world because we can feel like, oh, I'm one in eight billion. But look, all of the revolutionaries, all of the amazing things that happened in, in history started with one person. So there you have it. The conversation continues. I've always had a penchant for cheering for the underdog, a thirst to celebrate quiet voices whose stories were undertold and somewhat underappreciated. Over time, I've grown to savor stories of creatives, be they artistic or entrepreneurial, as I've understood that it is they who move important dials in society. Today's conversation reminded me of that perspective. Malawi is a country filled with underdogs. And those fighting mental illness in my homeland may appear to be at an even greater disadvantage. The underdogs of the underdogs. And it is people like Chawa, creators like Chawa, that are helping to move that dial, that important and pivotal dial. They are helping to turn predictably sad stories into curiously hopeful ones. Thank you, Chawa, for opening up to us about your work in the warm heart of Africa. I'd also like to thank you, the audience, for joining in this conversation. Whichever corner of the globe you may be listening from, you or someone you know or someone you love may be struggling with similar stigmas. I hope this conversation has been helpful. If you like what you've heard, there's more. Our upcoming roster of shows will include inspiring conversations with change agents, entrepreneurs, and other inspiring creators from the continent, and sometimes beyond it. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any of the inspiring episodes coming up. You can find us wherever you do your listening. That's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and many, many more. And of course, if you enjoy some social sprinkled in with your experience, please follow us on Instagram under our handle, Crowd54. Listen, like, share. This is your host, Kandwani Mwase. Until we meet again, thanks for listening.